Welcome back, listeners. This is a podcast called Those Who Can't Do, a teacher podcast that I am doing with my husband, co-host, editor, and producer, Matt, who's also the writer of this episode. We are just two teachers navigating our journey of teaching through this uncertain world. Hello. We are moving away from our usual podcast of current events this week to talk about a major issue that is facing all of us younger teachers, the burnout. We will be talking about the infamous five-year teacher burnout and the shocking 50% of teachers who leave the profession before they have the chance to even start. So the statistic that started it all, let's talk about the 50% for a second. Where did it come from and why is it so significant? Okay, this 50% number... Uh, is is kind of pulled together from a whole bunch of different sources, as it turns out. So there was one article that I found that was 1991. This was the first place it showed up. It was an APA psychology article by Barry Farber. And he put the number at 41%, saying that they'll depart in the first four years. Okay, That same number got cited later in a study by Ingersoll, which we talked about earlier. Um, which is when I originally heard the number in college. So I heard that 41% number. When I jumped into college, I was sitting in my classes, and they told me 41% are going to leave the field as soon as they started. Um, And this was in a class of about 30 people that were all trying to be teachers. Um, Both studies were looking exclusively at New York public schools only. All right, But I heard this number going to school in California, right? Mm. The number allegedly rose in the 2000s and then dipped again um, with like the highest number I could find. Anytime I was doing research was 58% in Chicago and inner city schools. Okay. Um, LA also put the number at around 57. Okay. So they're around that same number. So 58% of teachers left inner city schools in their first five years in Chicago. Okay. There was also a 2019 blog. So this like last year, 2019, Mm -hmm. Because it's not 2020 this year. <laughs> 2019, comfortably settled at 19 to 30%. Somewhere in that range. Okay. okay? Um, which means that it's improving. 30% is a lot better than 41%. Um, mm-hmm. And that's from... So over this you know 30-year gap mm-hmm. that everyone's talking about, this is the number we ended up with. Okay? So I want to ask you, do you think this number is accurate? Um, Because you've taught at three different schools. You have a whole bunch of sub jobs under your belt. Um, You've seen every part of every district that you possibly could at this point in your teaching career. You've you've done it, right? Mm -hmm. So do you think that number is accurate? Can you put it at 30%? You're saying 30% of young teachers will depart the field. Yes. Because I've, I've been part of that 30%. Yeah. Uh, I left and came back. Uh, I've also seen, um, you know, someone in our cohort who we were super close with when we graduated uh, leave before even starting. Uh, I've so I'm and I've seen the burnout and like the eyes of. Well, come teachers. on, let's talk about our cohort. In that we had what I want to say there was like thirty people in that original room, and we left that program with about seven. So oh where my, did all those oh, people go? So I mean, like, when for we real. Were, yeah, that, like, two and a half, three-year process. Yeah. When, uh, so we kind of have a, a, a very unique uh, going and, like, learning, teaching, all that. We, we did a, 
a joint program uh, where we did our bachelor's and our... This was our, in university. Yeah, we did our bachelor's and our credential at the same time. So it was like a five-year program to get both. And so we you start focusing on the teaching part like uh, two or three years uh, towards the end. And yeah, we did start... There was like a whole Facebook group. Do you remember that? That we yes. came together as our support group and there was about 30 of us. And yeah, we, we had maybe they like... They just weeded maybe down. 10, maybe, yeah. <laughs> of us that ended up quitting um and we had like a really strong group of friends five of us and then one of them uh you know he he decided that to take an extra year and then another one she decided she was done and she quit before, after she graduated didn't even bother going in because she didn't feel like she could do it or, or she didn't feel like it was for her and so yeah i i believe the 30 percent 100 percent so you're bringing up really personal options here, but um, let's kind of go big picture for a second. Psychology Today called this an epidemic. Um, and according to Ingersoll's report, 41% is more than an epidemic. Like we're sitting in the middle of a pandemic right now, mm -hmm. um, an infectious disease. And this number for teachers is higher than that infectious disease rate. Um, and it's, it's kind of paramount to a plague. We're talking like this is like teachers are going to be hit with this disease called burnout mm -hmm. at a 41% rate, which is extreme for the amount of education and work that's required. Okay. So what is it? So what is burnout? What are these symptoms? What do you, what do you think? Uh, okay. I think you go into teaching very optimistically. You think you're going to change lives and you do, but the way you do it is is uh not very obvious so you 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 just struggle with a lot of like did i even do anything worth it and i think that's a big part it's like a real heartbreaker when you go into teaching because you you think you're gonna you know do so much like you see in like movies like dead poet society and like you know <laughs> we're like oh look how great that lesson was and i can do that and then you realize like it, it's really not that um and so i think that's one of the things is a heartbreak as a teacher. I think you also deal with a lot of teachers need to find their school. And when you first go into teaching, you get what you can. And the school you might go to is probably could probably be a school that you don't fit into. And you think that because you don't fit into that school as a first year teacher, because you haven't experienced any other schools that you're um, you're a failure. I can't fit in with this. And it's you, true. Cause you think school is school. Yeah. Like, you, but I'm it's at a not. school. What's the problem? Exactly. And, and every school is run differently. Every school has a different uh, way that they do things. Uh, every school has a different way that they, um, have different administration, different ways that they discipline children. And, and you don't always fit with that way, you know? And so you think as a first year teacher with your first teaching job, that if you don't fit with that school, then you're doing something wrong and you take it very personally and you think you're the problem when that's not always the case. Uh, I also think that you're developing new lessons. Uh, and when you develop a new lesson, it, you're going to see all the things that went wrong with that lesson. Well, and then, not only that, everyone's going to tell you what you did. Wrong. Oh yeah. Everything. And if it doesn't work out, you're like, Oh, I, I suck at this. And so, you know, and, and when you go a few years in, you, you can edit those lessons and make them like perfect or near perfect. And, but you don't see that your first year. And then I want to add that three year rule. 
where they say like, at least wait three years before quitting because you really suck your first year. You're not a very good teacher. I mean, you do what you can, but you, you realize in, in hindsight that, you know, oh man, there's some rookie mistakes I made. Uh, your second year is worse because you think I have a handle on it because I got a year under my belt, yeah. but it's actually it like you don't, year. you don't have a handle on it. It's not till your third year or after your third year that you actually understand it. So these, I think, are so some get, of the symptoms. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because you get told that all the way through your education, you know, coming to be a teacher is, is kind of this learning curve mm-hmm. where everyone keeps telling you all of this all of this information mm-hmm. they keep showing it to you um but then you have to live it you have to live it to figure out whether or not you're going to be able to actually cope with it and work with it right yeah just imagine saying like you're going to fail your first year have fun and then you have to actually go and fail your first year yeah like <laughs> you know and people wouldn't have paid five cents to hear my first year of it of any kind of teaching anything like i probably had one decent lesson my first year of teaching mm-hmm. and everything else i did was pretty garbage that, oh, that has been completely thrown out. Well, that, and you're told all these classroom management techniques, and you have to yes. learn what yours are. And you can't, yeah, because they, you know, some people are like, don't ever be nice. Oh. Don't ever be nice for your first six weeks. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't smile. Yeah. At the stu- and no, like, I am so friendly in the classroom. I have to be joking from day one. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. And I and, tried and it. I, and I do. I kind of do that opposite approach where, like, I, I can be a little bit fun, but I have to reserve my funness, I think, uh, yeah. for me personally. And I, I have to wait till towards the end of the year. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm, I need to maintain that, like, kind That's of. That's exactly it. That, not hardship, but, like, oh, okay, she's very serious. She can have fun, but I know my line. And so, I, so it's, like, the opposite because we're and two we're getting, teachers. And we're getting a little into pedagogy here, but let's talk. We've... We've obviously experienced these symptoms, right? Yeah. We're, we've been here five years in. I think I've told you multiple times, I'm ready to quit. I'm going to walk <laughs> away. And you've, yeah. you've had this conversation with me, okay? Um, but this is, you know, this is pretty normal. So uh, let's, let's talk for a second, kind of moving forward, all right? All right. So we're talking about, comp- uh, let's talk about, uh, if we're talking 30 to 50% of... Yes teachers who quit within five years are there other um jobs that actually have a similar number okay so yeah i mean there's some stats we could look at here so like like, okay come on because like we've got people who are in like oil rigs and and doing windmill tech and and, like heck doctors who are working 12 hour shifts like we cannot be the highest number and we are no Uh, no we're not because doctors okay doctors experience a 41 percent burnout rate well, so okay. near us. Which is, okay, Forty, as in 41% report symptoms, but they don't leave the field. Oh. They report symptoms of burnout, and the field kind of allows them to cope, so only 10% leaves the field. Mm. Um, and the highest country that leaves is Greece in, in the world. So Greece has 29% of doctors leaving in their first five years. All the other doctors across the world, it's around 10%. And that's talking everywhere. That's India, China, America, across the nations. It is what it is. Lawyers report a 28% burnout, as in they're experiencing symptoms. But again, only 10% leave the field. So this is interesting because teachers report a 41% burnout and 41% leave, Mm. which means they're leaving no matter what. If they experience symptoms of burnout, they are out. (laughs) 
There's no, like, recovery, mm -hmm. which is interesting to say because other fields kind of have recovery, okay? But check this out. There's only one profession that I was able to find worldwide that has the same burnout rate as teachers this year. Can okay. you, like, okay, so listen. <laughs> it is factory workers in China. Shut up is the only profession in the world right now that has the same burnout rate as teachers in America. It's the only one. Shut and they were at 38%. I'll also say this. What this is there lower? It's 38%, not even 41%. I shouted in my microphone. They were lower than us. <laughs> They're lower. On top of that, this, this report was done during coronavirus. No! <laughs> So factory workers in Wuhan, China were the only profession that statistically left the field of teaching at the same rate as teachers. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm shouting in my microphone. I 41%. Can't, I can't handle this number right now. And that 38% was reported in February, and it's not even as high as us. It's not even close. So we got to face the fact that this is All a right, major issue. This is a major issue in that that was the only reported field that had the same burnout rate. But get this, that was reported in February. I looked it up no. and China's government has already put stipulations in place to lower that number. No. They already implemented it and gave them reasons to stay on as factory workers there. They've already fixed it. You're really uh, selling the teacher profession. This has profession. been 30 years mm -hmm. that we've sat at this number of burnout for teachers and nothing's happened we're still here i mean okay so yeah we got it down to to 19 to 30 percent mm -hmm. we got it a little bit lower in america right by 10 percent, right so okay. we're we are technically lower now than factory workers in china during the coronavirus pandemic <laughs> okay but that <laughs> that's just in, that's absurd to me that that's what that that would be what it is so what are your thoughts on this i think that you're talking about factory workers who, from my understanding, are making pennies an hour. That's what we're with told. With really, yeah, it, that's a, yeah. So again, you know, we don't, I don't know for sure, but this is what I hear. Pennies an hour, they have unsafe working conditions, no, and the hours cited. are long. It's often cited Way as longer. like a human rights violation. Yeah. So, and their burnout rate is less than teachers in America. And yes, and we're talking, you know, America, which is a, you know, we're a first world nation where it's not like we're most teachers are not in like an inner city or not, you know, and all that. And we still have a burnout that's higher than that. That's yes. unbelievable. Okay. So let's talk about it. Let's okay. talk about what's causing it. Okay. Like any disease, there are symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be symptoms for this particular disease. Okay. So the major red flag that appears first for new teachers is anxiety. Mm. Um, can you speak to that as a teacher for a second? What's the, uh, what is the anxiety system that kind of you're working with, you know? Um, so I remember very uh, vividly my first year of teaching and I was so overwhelmed and about halfway through I was at uh, your apartment. We had like just finished dinner and we were cleaning the dishes and I dropped a, a glass and I cut my finger and I just looked at it as like the blood was dripping and I went, the kids got me, man. Like they, I, I'm done. And I felt this overwhelming, like 
like I broke, like I started crying and it wasn't because I broke my finger, but that was kind of like the, that last straw type of thing. And cause it was the anxiety that I'd been holding in my first year of teaching yeah. and it g- finally got me. And the breaking point was actually like the physical, like hurting of my finger. Yeah. So, um, I, I can attest to the anxiety and how like for a lot of teachers, you don't even have the time or energy to address it. For me, it's that I, I felt like I didn't have the time or energy to address every student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my breaking point very vividly where I was, I, was in the, I was in a car outside. I was supposed to hang out with friends on a Friday. And uh, a student in my class had committed suicide that day. Yeah. And I, was, I had just heard the news that he was gone. Um, and I was trying to you know, kind of go about my day because, of course, I realized it wasn't my fault. He was a quiet kid hung out in my class, whatever. I realized it wasn't my fault, but it hit me so hard because I felt like, man, I could have reached Mm -hmm. him in some way. I could have done something. And it was this massive, like, imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. type situation where I just felt like I shouldn't have been there. How dare someone put me in charge of these kids' lives, like, when I would fail so badly. And, man, it hits so hard. As soon as you see the struggle that the kids are going through, not you, right? Yeah. As soon as you see that, it ends up being this this whole thing, right? So, I mean, that's something. But we, okay, so we all face anxiety as teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we all kind of have questions of inadequacy. The response to that anxiety is also a symptom, right? So as soon as the teachers experience anxiety, they start facing um, like the burnout symptoms of anger, And usually that comes across directly in the classroom where they will point the anger at students. So you'll start to see teachers that might have been friendly at first start to turn on children. Mm. Um, And a lot of times they'll kind of make enemies of their first classes that they're in if they're experiencing burnout. So the kids will then Mm. kind of be involved in the situation where they start seeing the teacher as an enemy and the classroom will kind of turn on them. Um, So what can new teachers do to stop this from happening? Because I'm sure you've had classes turn on you. And you and you knew they were everyone in the room hated you because you did something that wasn't fair and they all they all burned you for it. Right. So what can you do to stop this? Because you're going to experience that, man, the first time the rage is so pure. Yeah. When you first get really mad or gears towards punishment and and you because and a lot of times it's shame. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times coming from you because you're like. I couldn't handle this and now I'm just mad. Yeah. It's so weird because I've never had that kind of rage in my life, like in any other situation except for teaching. (laughs) It's so strange. And of course I didn't react with, with like hurting anybody. And obviously it wasn't like I still have my job. I didn't hurt anybody, Mm. but it's so visceral. It's Mm -hmm. just crazy to think about. So what do you think? What can new teachers do to stop that kind of anger from, from, from hitting, you know, you have the anxiety, you have to show up to school the next day and you're just gonna, you're just gonna rage. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say two things for it, new teachers in a, this situation or even newer teachers. One, it is okay to take a mental health day. We feel like we're not allowed to, and we feel like it's too much work. And it is a lot of work because you have to make sub plans, but it's okay. And I strongly encourage when you feel like you're having a breaking point, take like a Wednesday off. Give yourself a midweek break um, and, and just sleep in and relax and watch TV all day and just chill and then come back and you're, you're going to feel a little bit better. And then my second 
thing, my second piece of advice is um, it's okay to have days in the classroom where you say today is like a catch up day where you're going to just work on your assignments with your self or with your group or whatever. And I'm going to sit at the computer and I'm going to just chill or I'm going to catch up or even I'm going to kind of hang out with the kids to kind of just, you know, get to know them and help them out in that way. And I'm not going to make any lesson plans that day. So those are my two pieces of advice. And it's okay 100% to do these. And it's okay to 100% to do these your first year of teaching. I think that one of the big things for me is it's okay to talk to your students. It's okay to mm -hmm. talk to them and let them know stuff's bad. Don't open up and cry in the classroom. Don't although, get although you know what? Uh, you know what? A lot of teachers have done that. I have. And, and just broken down <laughs> crying at their desk. I don't and recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, some people do it, but I'm just saying, like, it's okay to be like, look, guys, this is a bad one. We have bad days. Help me out here. Like, let's let's work together to, to move forward and do this. And I think that a lot of times, I mean, because I'll do this to this day. The other thing is, a lot of teachers approach when they're in front of the class like it's a show. Mm -hmm. And if they go off script or lose their lines, they're going to... They think that it's unrecoverable, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, because the, the show don't know the difference. Yeah. And they, there's this kind of show must go on mentality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the anger can fit into the show mm -hmm. in some kind of ways. But there's also this whole side of it that it doesn't have to be a show. You can you can cool down and just kind of, you know, veg with the students and make sure that they're they're advancing the way you want them to on a one on one level. Like, it's okay to just have a conversation and, and chill for a second. Yeah. You know, just take a note. And mm -hmm. if everyone, you know, if the class is quickly turning on you, I was told do one thing that's simple with the whole class. Get everyone to do something together. And, you know, I always have all the students stand up and stretch and then everybody sit back down. If I'm losing control, I'm just like everybody stand up and stretch because no one's going to say no to it. Everyone's willing to have that break. Mm -hmm. You just stand up. You have all the students stretch and then have everybody sit back down. And boom, everybody's listened to you for one thing. And mm -hmm. you have some little level of control. Then you give them the next thing to do and the next thing to do. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of bring the classroom back. Right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So the rest of this fatiguing burnout process, quote unquote, is pretty normal from here. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, if the teachers have already faced these two items, they're going to start down social withdrawal, depression, insomnia, fear and panic episodes, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk for a second about exterior factors, though, because we can say, oh, you know, get control of your class. Don't get mad at them, whatever. You know, we can say all that. But there's things that teachers can't control that are happening on campus. So how do you think schools and their support of new teachers affect their growth? Let's talk for a second about new teacher you know, you've already talked a little, take advantage of the mental health days, but let's talk for a second about what schools need to do as kind of a new teacher situation. You know, you get a brand new teacher in your school. What's the best thing that you could do to kind of help them get situated and help them get moving? Um, I think you really need to have schools embrace like a mentorship program where you have a very, uh, you know, a, a veteran teacher, uh, who you can always go to for help and who's willing to, to help you. So obviously you don't want to volunteer anyone to do this. You want pure volunteers. I know if you're nationally board certified, uh, they usually turn to you. Uh, so getting that mentorship program also, um, 
the schools need to be supporting you as a teacher and if they're going to not take your side uh, in a disciplinary action um, it, there better be like a reason like you know there's really not I don't see many they need to support you and uh, unless you're the you're sending kids out like left and right left and right for no real reason um, but assuming that you're sending kids out for legitimate reasons the school needs to support you and have some kind of um, like uh, some kind of I don't want to say disciplined person but you well let me kind let me of, ask like a place you this to, you know to, to send the kids or uh, to support you as a teacher so if your admin don't support you it's always really hard it's true. Let me ask you this, though, okay? Because if the, if the teacher ends up in that situation, if they're in burnout, like if they're truly experiencing it, they're going to have anger anytime they receive advice mm -hmm. because that advice will start sounding like criticism. Yeah. And that criticism leads to rejection. They'll start rejecting everything about it as yeah. far as their new teacher burnout. They'll just quit. Yeah. Right? Um, and they'll want to walk away from the situation, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so the, having those disciplinary sections in place you know, how to handle particularly bad students or how to like, you know, mm -hmm. get get kind of the class back on your side. Um, what do you think like could be done as far as like on campus to avoid this process of the teacher is upset and won't handle criticism? And then it looks bad because the administrator then sees that and says, oh, they don't handle criticism. Like next, next time we'll just mark that down. You know, because they're also being evaluated at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So how what, there's kind of a vicious circle happening for teachers here. So how do you, how do you see getting out of that vicious circle? I think. Uh, oh, you need to make uh, you need to make a teacher friend, event per partner, basically, where it's usually your neighbor teacher as you stand in the hall like during passing period, and you you kind of like talk and and become familiar but you need uh you need a teacher friend and they're easy to make because teachers are super friendly um you know and so they're not only you're there in case you want to vent or need to vent um but they're there to like when you say like hey can you watch my class i need to like go to the bathroom for a minute or something and yeah. that way you can have like you can you know go recompose yourself or whatever so for sure become if even if you can't like become super friendly i know your first year you don't you can't you know become like best friends necessarily but having like a partner or, or a friend on campus as a teacher who at the very least you can say like can you please just watch my class or can you please help me? or can you please take this kid into your classroom? Yeah. Uh, whatever you need. So like a buddy, a, a buddy, buddy you need a buddy uh, that I think, I think that has got me through my first or like year peer mentors just straight up through that yeah. system. Peer well, mentors yeah, that's can help saying, as well. Like a mentor program at your school is very well. Important. And that's so interesting to say that because there are teachers that come into the teaching field and don't have any of these struggles. They, mm -hmm. well, I mean, they'll struggle with all the, all mm -hmm. the normal stuff. Right. But you know, they'll come in swinging in a different kind of way than other people, right? Mm -hmm. So they get into a school and they're all, they're able to adopt all these programs and they have all these great ideas and they start all this stuff. And there are those teachers that do that, mm -hmm. that, that are able to kind of handle all this. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Are all of these teachers leaving the field that are experiencing burnout? Like, or, or is there just like a particular type of person that just can't handle it? Or it, like, because everybody always says you have to be a certain type of person in order to teach. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's true? Like, is that is that really what it is? That certain types of people come into the teaching field and just are not meant to be there and, and handle it? I have two answers. So I think one, yes, there are people who 
are going to be teachers uh, are good at teaching just like there's people who are good at acting and there's teacher or not teacher there's people good at acting uh not everyone can be an actor or a singer or uh i can't be a very good accountant you know like so there's people who can be teachers and there's people who cannot so yes i think some people go into teaching thinking it's one thing but they're actually not really you know cut out for it Mm -hmm. just like i'm not cut out for you know other you know perfect most professions you know i'd love to be an actor or you know but i'm you know not that great you know <laughs> like at acting so uh you know and that's okay and so we have our calling and that, okay. that's so, that so my what second, do you think the skill sets are like how do we recognize that these people are meant to do it uh well one i think if you really hate children you probably shouldn't be a teacher <laughs> and i know that's like funny but it is it's true because there are people who or if you're afraid of kids because i have seen student teachers come into a classroom and will refuse to look at children they'll just look at the back wall or like they'll look down or whatever and or or they panic so they need to hold something in the front of the classroom or or as they teach people like they don't want to go to the kids individually they're like nervous to do so if you're scared of kids or you hate children then for sure it should seem obvious but you should not be a teacher of course (laughs) Um, but my second thing is i'm gonna go back to um, your school, and I don't think people address this enough. If you're at a school as a new teacher and you don't like, you don't fit. You're not a match with that school, and that school's not a match for you. You think you're a failure, and that's what happened to me. I I quit mid second year because I didn't fit with the school, and I kept repeating to myself, "If this is teaching, I don't want to do it." Um, and so I had to go and I had to quit teaching. I had to figure out how to, you know, if I even wanted to do teaching, I went into substitute teaching, saw every type of school you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, oh, they're not all the same. Yeah. They are In truly not. And I thought, well, okay, if I can find my, you know, school i would be great and eventually i did i found the school that i'm at i've been here for three years and so um it was a process but you have to understand that there might be a thing where that school and you should break up and you need to go find a new school well and talking about that i've since i got into the teaching field pretty much every year that i've been at any school at any point i've had my job threatened Mm-hmm. Um, with just the sheer numbers of students and teachers fluctuating, yeah, um, I've been under job threat for a long time yeah. uh, in in LAUSD, and I'm not, and that's what happens to new teachers. I was told that I'm just like, yeah, you're at the bottom, you're gonna get threatened every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And there was kind of this whole thing where I mean, like, you kind of got to bypass that a little bit with, you know, getting the experience the way that you did in that you were kind of fluctuating between schools, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas I've been on one job site and consistently had issues with keeping my job in place and keeping security there, right? So the fact that job security is getting threatened at all as a new teacher, which is, I mean, that's most fields, but to add that level of insecurity Mm -hmm. on top of imposter syndrome, on top of anxiety, on top of having to learn students and you know skill sets in order to talk to these students like you said you know not having a fear of children in this that's a lot to learn on top of everything so if we're going to be experiencing burnout it could be coming from that idea right mm-hmm. um there's also this idea of you know and you're kind of experiencing this right now a little bit at your job site and maybe you could talk about it a little bit but this kind of idea that the new teacher is going to do everything 
Um, <laughs> like you get, you kind of get voluntold into a bunch of stuff until you start saying no. And you're going to say yes, because again, job security and requirements, you're going to keep saying yes until you're doing a lot at the school. So talk about that. Why, why are like, should that be put on new teachers? Is that fair to do? Well, that goes back to your teaching program because they all said in all the classes at your first year, get on all the committees, uh, volunteer for everything, everything, because there's that level of, well, we're not sure we can keep you, but you do everything. And yeah. then they might keep, and that's, and that's your school. I, I feel Matt, like, you know, you take on everything and it makes it so like, you know, you oh, can't get rid of him because who's going to do that or that or that or that or that. Because- Which is what I think a lot of new teachers, that's not just me. I go to other school sites a lot. Mm-hmm. I see other teachers working and I've been on several different school sites and they're the new teachers are doing everything yeah which is which is fair i mean you got to pay you know you got to do your time you got to make sure that's happening but this mentality could be toxic Mm -hmm. it could be if you feel like you're forced into the situation because i enjoy it i enjoy the extra money i enjoy the extra jobs that i'm doing i like it yeah and so do you yeah but if you don't and you feel like you're being forced into it it's a different mentality that's Mm -hmm. a different observation right and you have to hope that there's a new teacher that comes in that's below you, you right yeah that you will, have to who that will stay and that will do will take yeah, up so on that burden. and then you have to yeah and then that stops the camaraderie with that teacher in a big way too yeah because you you know they're on the chopping block you that know that's you what know. happened when they got hired so it's like man well, that this is not even both, close you both could be on the chopping block exactly you, know? you could if you're too close it doesn't matter anymore because yeah. they'll just get rid of who they think yeah and that's intense that's an intense position to be in at any school site mm-hmm. right yeah but one thing that plays into that is the burnout yeah the numbers are rotating so quickly mm-hmm. that you have job insecurity when you're the new teacher but if you hang on for a couple of years, enough teachers will burn out that new teachers will replace them and then they'll be at the bottom. Yeah. So there's this kind of vicious cycle happening. So we got to talk solutions. Yeah. Because we're, run- we're running out of time here. We got to get into solutions. Mm-hmm. What are we doing about this? How can schools prevent this for young teachers? Um, like, is it is it to blame that when you're in college and you're trying to get your teaching credential? Is it from the school sites? Is it state boards? Is it from districts that need to intervene? Like, what's the shortfall happening? Or is it just that people are going to keep thinking they can do this job and they can't do this job? Like, where, what, what, what kind of solutions could you see happening? Well, I'm kind of torn with what I'm about to say. But we allow the teachers who have been there the longest, the most secure job security, and um, the best uh, classroom line so they get to pick the advanced classes or mm-hmm. the honors classes mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that maybe someone who came in a few years after them might be a better solution or better teacher or to that line you know and so it's hard when you're a, a new teacher you come into a school and it's a low socioeconomic you know kind of race division of a school Mm -hmm. and you're told as a sweet young teacher um (laughs) you need to take the hardest line the hardest group of kids and you don't get any honors classes you don't get any advanced kids you get the worst behaved kids the lowest scoring kids the lowest comprehension kids i think we've all taught that line of of two el two electives 
and then the one English like class, class and then an intervention. Yeah. We've yeah. all had that class line. And it's hard. <laughs> and it's hard because if you're in that line, if you get the crappiest line, then guess what? If you do a good job, yeah. do you move up to a better line or do no. they keep you there? They keep you there. Exactly. So you have to yeah. do a decent enough job to stay on the campus, but not too good of a job to keep the line. Yeah. And that is some you know, terrible, terrible, terrible reality. Well, and it's, yeah. So to we, feel like you're stuck in that, to know that there's like, oh, maybe next year I'll get an honors. Nope. Mm-mm. So, nope. You got to wait for it to circle back around and pick you up again, which will be, who knows? You could be there 10 years. Of course. And then you have to talk about as a new teacher um, or new to a campus, you're less willing to ask for things because you're still at the bottom of, of the, you know, the totem pole, right? So you, if unless you're very brave and outspoken enough to say, I want this line, please give it to me. I need you and give your reasons why if you're outspoken enough, you might get, a, I, I mean, I was lucky. I, that's how I got my line. I asked for, um, the advanced classes, knowing when a, a teacher was going to move out of class, uh, out of classroom. And I said, I want those classes and I had done enough work. Yeah. I had made enough connections mm -hmm. that they gave it to me, but there's a couple teachers below me now who I don't think feel that they can do that because they're too low. Because I have like three or four teachers below me now in my department. By below me, you mean like new hires. New hires, yeah. Like yeah. no one's below me. I mean, everyone's above me in my opinion. But <laughs> um, like below me in the hiring process to know like I can, I feel secure, but these three or four individuals might not. So they might not be asking for anything. So then you're kind of scared and put well, in your place, whether it be because that's the... Um, culture or just because how you feel personally? It really is for me a matter of survival, mm -hmm. I think. I think it's that, you know, young teachers have to be aware that, okay, this one kid that you have that's an absolute terror your first year of teaching who just ruins your class lessons and is terrible, that kid is going to be in your class every year. And next time you see him, he isn't going to be like that difficult to deal with. He's not going to be as hard as the first time you dealt with him or her. It's going to come back around. That administrator you can't stand, they'll always be there at your school. They're always going to be someone you have to deal with. But everyone that you get along with, teachers, admin, like parents, all these personality types that you think you can't handle, eventually they are going to come back around. They're going to cycle through. It always cycles back through, always. So everything will come back around. So if you make a mistake once, you can't let that be the end of it. Like You can't let that get you down. You will get a second chance at everything. Um, all of your lessons, all of the students, all of the teachers and everything that you're dealing with, you're eventually going to get a second chance to figure out how you want to approach it differently the second time. And uh, with substitute teaching, I, I saw throughout the many schools I went to, there's always the same personalities. You always have that same kid at that one school, at that next school. They're the same type. And at one point you, you realize like you know how to handle that kid because You've handled that kid before, the year before, the year before that, and the year before that. Yeah, because school's on rotation. I mean, mm -hmm. the job is circular. Eventually, you know, your lessons, you start to figure out how you're going to get the students to pay attention to you. So let's say you try something in one lesson and nobody listens to what you're saying, you know, and it starts to freak the class out, whatever you did. The next time you do that lesson, you don't have to do the same thing, right? 
Let's mm-hmm. say that you're, you know, let's say that you're approaching a class with a specific discussion type and somebody starts freaking out in the class. The next time you approach that, you don't have to. And eventually now you have a system. And all of a sudden you're just making little tweaks to your system until it's perfect because you basically get unlimited do-overs at this job mm-hmm. and you get unlimited chances with the same types of students and the same types of teachers. So even if it's like failure, it's not. It's everything is success because everything is just you building on it. And uh, I, I'm sure you were told this uh, since we did the same <laughs> classes in college, but uh, they tell you to wait at least three years before quitting teaching because your first year is called hell because it, you don't know what you're doing. You're doing in you're making these lessons on top of trying to figure out your classroom management style, and it's just like it feels like a failure. And then you think. The second year of teaching is going to be better, but it's actually worse because you still haven't quite figured out everything and you think it should be easier. And so it's like that false hope. And then by somewhere in your third year, maybe your fourth year, it all clicks. And eventually you figured out your own classroom management that you're not basing off of what everyone else is doing. And you figured out your own uh teaching style and so yeah after your after three years of teaching you know if you still can't do it then you still can't do it but you got to give it those three years um and even if you are missing a kid someone will oh so if, if you're missing like if a kid's missing out and you feel like you're failing a kid a teacher somewhere down the line will pick up the slack for you until eventually you don't have to do that anymore eventually it'll click you'll have your aha moment um you just have to wait for it All right, before we end this podcast, we want to share with you the Teacher of the Week. The Teacher of the Week this week is someone who actually teaches at my middle school, Miss Amari. Miss Amari is our testing coordinator and the coordinator for the School of Advanced Studies. Um, She does everything. If you want or need something and you go to her, it'll get done. She will always support you. And she's also, she goes above and beyond as in she has been emailing and helping things out from like... 6 a.m. to midnight. I don't know how she sleeps, but she is awesome. <laughs> um, so congratulations, Miss Amari, for being Teacher of the Week here on Those Who Can't Do. All right, congratulations. And also shout out to those who downloaded our podcast in Alaska and New York. We really appreciate having you guys. Give us a shout out on social media. Let us know who you are and talk to us. Let us know if our feedback is solid. Um, if you want to nominate a teacher or educator who went above and beyond this week, follow us on Twitter at TWCD underscore podcast, Instagram at those who can't do underscore podcast, Facebook at those who can't do podcasts, or email us at those who can't do podcast at gmail.com to nominate an extraordinary teacher or educator. Be sure to tell us their name, where they're from, and what they did this week that went above and beyond. All right. That's the end of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to turn, be sure, be sure. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do this again. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 8 a.m. for another new episode. Um, this new episode is going to be about uh, the differences between public, private, and charter schools. We are Gina and Matt. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.